United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Uh, story in Politico today, Gary Finout writing that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and South Florida Democrats plan to meet with Venezuelan exiles this week amid an ongoing stalemate in Congress over whether or not to offer protections to those who fled the South American country. Democrats have scheduled a forum in Weston tomorrow, a town that has seen an influx of Venezuelans fleeing their country during an economic collapse that began under former President Hugo Chavez and has continued under President Nicolas Maduro. Let us spend some time talking about that country as well as Colombia. Things seemed to be going at least in a positive direction, both places, but some setbacks recently. Steve Heggie is a senior expert of the Columbia peace process at the United States Institute of Peace. Joining us today, tweeting at Steve Heggie. I'll spell it for you at the end. Steve, welcome. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks so much, Tim. Let's talk about Venezuela first, just because it seemed that President Trump was enthusiastic about supporting the opposition leader Juan Guaido, but Mr. Maduro has remained in power. Is this the end of that potential change in the in in, in the in power in in that country? Well, I think Tim, there's actually there's been a, a decrease in some of the momentum that has been built up over the course of this year in support of the Juan Guaido led interim government, and that, that's not to say that there aren't opportunities for uh, to for for an end to the current uh, prevailing crisis, which has really affected uh, not only uh, the, the immediate region, Colombia, particularly with the number of migrants. Over 1.4 million migrants in Colombia, but 4 million over overall. And as you mentioned, some of those here in the United States. Um, there are opportunities. There have been ongoing talks brokered by uh, the Norwegians um, that are right now are stalled. Um, but there are attempts to 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 reengage in those talks. Um, at this point, the the Maduro uh, led regime has been seeking sanctions relief from the United States. Again, the United States and a lot of other partners have been trying to ramp up the pressure on the Maduro regime for him to depart and for them to allow uh, anticipated or accelerated uh, uh, electoral timetable uh, for new elect presidential elections uh, next year. Uh, the, those talks potentially could uh, uh, open up a, a way forward. Um, uh, at this point, they haven't produced what many have uh, had hoped, um, but there are opportunities. And there are unfortunately increasing tensions between Venezuela and the Colombian government at this point. Um, tensions along that border. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the, the Maduro regime had uh, established uh, military operations or exercises along that border, threatening uh, between the threatens threats between the two countries, and and the Colombians, for their part, uh, have been accusing the Venezuelans of providing safe haven to several of uh, uh, several Colombian uh, guerrilla groups, armed groups that they refer to as narco terror groups. Uh, one of them being the uh, the National Liberation Army that's had a historic presence in in Venezuela, and the other being a new faction of the FARC who signed a peace agreement with the previous Colombian government in 2016 and that faction has just reemerged uh, largely from Venezuela and led by the former chief negotiator of the FARC, Iwan Marquez. So that's led to uh, mutual recriminations between the two, two countries and, and certainly a, a cause for concern for anyone uh, like USIP uh, in the business of promoting uh, conflict prevention and, and uh, the resolution of violent conflict. Let's let's get back and sort of identify the players. You mentioned FARC, and as I alluded to, at one time there seemed to be uh, an understanding of how things would move forward in Colombia, and this seemed to be an issue that we had left behind us, but it, it has 
reformed. So explain to people who are new to this conversation who FARC is and where they figure into the discussions about Colombia. So the FARC was the, the Western Hemisphere's largest and longest standing guerrilla insurgency. And so it was in 2011 that they began a peace process with the previous Colombian government under President Juan Manuel Santos uh, to outline a number of core sort of structural issues, including land reform, drug trafficking, political participation. Uh, and that was the agenda that really led to a, an agreement uh, in, 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 in late 2016. So we're coming up on three years from the signing of that agreement. And there's been certain progress that has been made uh, between the end of the Santos government and now under current President Iwan Duque uh, to bring forward some of those reforms, some of the support to the socioeconomic reintegration of former FARC members. You know, we had a disarmament, uh, historic disarmament process of the FARC of 13,000 members. Um, to this day, we still have 90% plus of those members very committed to uh, uh, this disarmament process, to the political reintegration and socioeconomic reintegration. Now, that doesn't mean it hasn't been uh, fraught with a, a great deal of challenges. Uh, a lot of those ex-combatants still don't have really viable uh, socioeconomic projects to make sure that they can sustain civilian livelihoods. And there's a great deal of fragility there. And that's where a person like Juan Marquez uh, is hoping to uh, not only reassemble the smaller dissident factions that had had it split off early on in the process, but some of these other, uh, the, the vast majority, this 90% plus uh, of former FARC combatants that, that are worried about their future and uncertain about uh, the possibilities of, uh, of making a, a, a civilian living. Um, and unfortunately, at this point, he has really not been able to, uh, or fortunately, from the perspective of, of the Colombian government, he has not really been able to rally uh, a whole uh, great deal of support from uh, about a month ago, making these statements that he's going to return to war. So it's a very small faction. Uh, he, he is trying to create an umbrella group amongst a, a number of smaller uh, dissident groups, which number around 23. Um, and then you add the potential alliance with the National Liberation Army, the ELN, which was never did not sign a peace agreement with the previous Colombian government. And their peace process was running parallel and has since been suspended for about 14 months. As I said, they are have a historic presence in Venezuela, and it's really a bone of contention between the Colombian government and the Venezuelan government about the support that is alleged to be provided to uh, the ELN in Venezuelan territory. Steve Heggie with a senior expert, Columbia Peace Process at the United States Institute of Peace. President Trump, the administration has been alternately very much involved and hands off in what's been taking place here. What's the appropriate level of involvement and what is the strategic importance of what is taking place there? Well, I think that this administration is absolutely committed to uh, to seeing a democratic transition take place in, in Venezuela. There are certainly uh, a certain degree of ambiguity about whether that could potentially include uh, a military option. For the most part, it's been a deep commitment to ratcheting up uh, international uh, pressure, uh, sanctions uh, to the greatest extent that the U.S. can can. Uh, um, can can lay those out uh, in support for the, the the interim government of Juan Guaido. I think that's been really really important uh, internationally, uh, recognized by over 50 governments. But at the same time, it's really important that it doesn't the the process of democratization or the return to democracy in Venezuela is not perceived as something explicitly imposed by the United States. Uh, I think that that undermines the 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 independent leadership and authentic genuine aspirations of, of a great deal of, of 
of the, the Venezuelan people from all sides, not necessarily just in the political opposition, but from those that are disillusioned with the future, with the current uh, economic breakdown in the country that would like to see an emergence of a, of a new future in Venezuela. And so that includes members of uh, previous members of, uh, of the party that, that Hugo Chavez had, had, had established, uh, saying that we really need to build a political consensus around the future. And that's really got to be a Venezuelan-driven process. It's certainly, the symbolic support from the U.S. and others is, is critical in that regard, but it has to be measured and, 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 and calibrated. Steve Heggie, thank you for the update. Great. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks for having me. Steve Heggie is senior expert in the Columbia Peace Process for the United States Institute of Peace, giving him the latest in Venezuela, Colombia hotspots. You've heard a lot, not so much lately, but obviously over the last six months, there have been a lot of stories about the struggle for Juan Guaido to take over from Nicolas Maduro. It has not happened, but where we are right now, I think you get a pretty good sense of that from Steve, who is tweeting at Steve Heggie at S-T-E-B-E-H-E-G-E. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.